You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Pride of Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. For the rest of September, you can go to RighteousFelon.com and use the discount code POD20 at checkout to get 20% off your order for the rest of September. That's promo code POD20 at RighteousFelon.com. that one stung a little bit welcome to the pride of detroit pod cast pride of detroit.com pride of detroit on twitter pride of detroit on facebook you know where to find us coming to you live on twitch.tv slash pride of detroit pod cast available on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, itunes iheart radio stitcher i think i said spotify before spreaker every one of your favorite podcast platforms we're there delivering you the best lions content we can muster for now it's seven years plus running it's been a long strange trip unfortunately this game didn't go the way we i think we wanted it to but we've got a lot to talk about from this game no matter what so we'll just dive right into it right off the top i'm christopher fett the adequate host and question mark multimedia editor fried detroit question mark work in progress wip name not final uh with me as always jeremy reisman the fearless leader at detroit online producer of the pride of pride detroit.com that's right as as in like the producers from from mel brooks that's right that's that's what i, I demanded to have that title in in honor of mel brooks do you, do you think you're going to put on a play like they did i can sing have you seen the producers do you know what play that was I do. Okay. Okay. What's springtime? Four. Springtime. Anyways, uh, <laughs> anyway, 3835. 3835. We'll get to that in a second. First, we are remiss without the third man, Ryan Matthews. Black is the motherfucking rock guy. At Ryan underscore P O D. Ryan, how are we doing, buddy? Uh, I got a lot of meat in a mystery box, but we'll, we'll get to that in, in the breaks, I'm assuming. Well, people but... on the podcast have already heard it by now but yes for the people in twitch you don't know yet we'll 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 relay it to you very soon uh jeremy this has not been a great week for him he's hurt for the second time playing sports this summer 
He is not the story. However, the Detroit Lions are the story as they fall just short of the Eagles. They made that game a lot closer than it was at halftime. And uh, I feel like we just got to go right off the top rope with our biggest rants. We will talk about the best players and worst players, and we're going to take away the best lessons the Lions can learn from this game going into week two, because it is week one. Week one is weird, man. We've seen a lot of weird results across the NFL, and we see it every year that week one, things turn around, things change. I'm not saying it's going to happen to the Detroit Lions, but I've seen a lot of people scream doom over this right now. And there was a lot of things to be frustrated about with this game. And we are going to get to those frustrations, but I think there's some positives we can take away too, but I think we're going to start a lot with the doom here. Uh, I got my thoughts out in the post game, so I'll go last. I think I'll just pitch this straight over to, uh, to Jeremy off the sure. top, your, your yeah. instant reactions, your rant, what you want to do, whatever you want to say. It, it's not going to be as hot takey as you want on week one, but I think my reaction to this game is, yeah, that that's about what I expected. Um, if, if I'm being completely honest here, I mean, I thought the Eagles were a pretty tough matchup for this team. I, I said in our pregame show, Ryan, I thought this game was going to have combined 300 rushing yards. It was, I think, six away or four away or something away from 400 combined rushing yards. Like th- these two teams were, were going to try to establish the run a bunch. We knew that the Lions defense was probably going to struggle to stop the run, or at least I felt like I knew that. I feel like that's something I was screaming from the hills all offseason. Um, the Lions interior defensive line, not very good. Linebacking core, young. Uh, and and I think I think this game is like, okay, maybe we should scale back the Rodrigo. Maybe we should scale, scale back. The Derek Barnes is going to be amazing in year two. It's going to take time. This is this is what we we signed up for. When you have a, a roster, yeah, when you have the second ro- youngest roster in the league, Going up against a guy as dynamic, and I know, I know, it seems like maybe we're we're, I don't know, rewriting the story on Jalen Hurts by calling him dynamic. But at the same time, like he is a tough guy to defend. He is a tough guy to tackle in open space. He is a weapon on the ground, and he was all of last year. And listen, I don't think the Lions got beat through the air that bad. They just don't have a team capable of players of they they don't have a team of players capable of dealing with, I think a mobile quarterback right now, especially one where they, they utilize him so well in terms of misdirection and, and just so many read option plays and things like that. Young players who, who just aren't that familiar with players, that athletic players, that elusive, well, they're going to get beat. And that's what happened in this game. Yeah. I think my big takeaway from today's game is that the lions have no depth on defense. And that's going to be a problem all season long for a variety of reasons. One, Levi is on IR. Um, I I think what was abundantly clear in this game was that the Lions struggled to defend the run Um, is probably, you know, the the most mild way to put it because of what you said, Jeremy, because of Jalen Hurts and and his ability as, as as a runner, as well as his ability to throw. But like when Levi is on IR and Josh Pascal, the second round pick, is not on the field either. That's a problem. And then on top of that, when Tracy Walker goes out of the game, who steps in? Juju Hughes, right? What does Philadelphia immediately do? They go right towards him on a run play. And they and, and that's it. Like, I mean, what happens when Jeff Okuda goes out for a series? Immediately picked on Will Harris for a 54-yard, 
you know, bomb to, yeah. to AJ Brown that completely changed the complexion of this game. Um, you know, so, so that's going to be something that the Lions struggle with all season long because of the rebuild, right? I mean, the roster is young as Jeremy said, but at the same time, like it's still being cultivated. I would say the one thing that I have like a viable concern over though, is, is that defensive front, like no Josh Pascal, no, no Levi on Zurique. It's it's going to be tough sledding. It's going to be tough sledding for for them to be able to. And and I know it comes back to the linebackers and and making run fits and things like that. But you know that that's something that as far as Brad Holmes, like in week one, like if I'm if I'm quote unquote grading Brad Holmes, I mean that's something that I have as a as a huge question mark and a concern uh, moving forward. Yeah, I thought the defense. We'll, we'll get into some individual plays. There was a couple guys who I thought they have some individual performances that they can grow on, but. By and large, they were asked to do a lot. I know, especially early in the game, they had to go right back out there after twenty, only a 20-second three and out, which was just absolutely brutal. But look, like they, they let Jalen Hurts run on them. A.J. Brown got out every now and then to take the top off, but I think that's just unavoidable when you're dealing with a, a, a wide receiver, the quality of A.J. Brown. But I think the big thing was like they just could not spy Jalen Hurts for most of that game. Like, and that's like, you should know that, that he is, I know from talking to Eagles fans and Eagles commentaries this week, they want, they, they were hoping that Jalen Hurts would throw the ball a lot more, but he is going to be a dynamic dual threat quarterback. And if they didn't seem like they were ready for it, they didn't seem like they were ready to spy when he was going over. And some of the youth on that team was apparent. Again, I don't want to get too much into the players we'll talk about after, but like Aiden Hutchinson there's a lot of the raw in his game when he's overshooting and missing a lot of tackles. And that really hurts when you bring that pressure and you miss Jalen hurts because then that quarterback turns around and makes you pay immediately. Yeah. It's all about staying true to your rush lanes. And it's interesting because before, before the game, Aaron Glenn said like, listen, you know, rush lanes are important, but we want to take it to Jalen hurts. We want to, we want to make him comfortable. We want to move him around. Well, I'm not sure that plan worked. I, I mean, it, it worked in the in the case where, yeah, you did move him around a lot. Like, he was on the run a lot. And a lot of times, especially early in that game, he was holding on to the ball for a long time because coverage was holding up. Problem is, no one seemed to be able to wrap him up. No one seemed to be able to wrangle him. And maybe that's maybe that's a, a fault in the strategy. Maybe that's just not having the players that you expected to have. Maybe it's just week one, and you don't – these guys are not used to ha- – like – David Blau and Tim Boyle weren't doing this in practice, right? <laughs> like, yeah, the only case clear, they that, got of it was Marcus Mariota, and we saw what happened in that game. Let's be clear. This is like a really good offensive line the Eagles have, too. Sure. I don't think they even really struggled with, you know, their tackles. It's just, as you said, like the run lanes were just off. They 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 struggled with making tackles. They had guys overshoot, and they just could not spy Jalen Hurts from the linebackers. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, go ahead, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I, I just thought that there was more that they could have done defensively because it seemed like they were getting gashed by Jalen Hurts in the same way over and over and over again because it was, we're losing contain, we're getting too far upfield, you know, we're getting four or five yards into the backfield. I mean, try to find a Lions defender on a rewatch and and point to that person and say they didn't get a hand on Jalen Hurts at some point and, and, and not bring him down. Like, I feel like, each each Lions defender had a chance to bring down Jalen Hurts today uh, to, to make a big negative play. It happened every once in a while. Like I really liked, I really liked 
you know, bringing up six, seven guys, putting them on the line and saying, all right, make a play. And and that worked here and there. Uh, but at the same time, you know, there, there were plays where the Lions kind of showed their ass, you know, so. Ryan, what was your biggest takeaway from this game? I think we've covered everything we need to on Jeremy's problems with the defense. Did you have another one or is it just the same, just more of that? I mean, we don't, are we going to get it into Jared Goff right now? Are, are we going to hold that's off my on big, that? That's my big takeaway. I didn't know if we wanted to save it for the second one, but it's big enough. I can't really avoid it. So why don't I, I've talked, I talked 15 minutes and Jared Goff in the post game. Why don't you unload your thoughts here before I say anything? Yeah, I, I think we spent, and I say we as the Lions fans collective, I think the majority of Lions fans saw enough from Jared Goff in the second half of last season to give him the benefit of the doubt, right? And I think that all throughout this offseason, through training camp, uh, through all of the stuff that we heard about Ben Johnson working with Jared Goff to get the playbook in a place where Goff felt comfortable and was doing the things that Goff would you know, excel at. And for the first half... Jared Goff looked like the quarterback that everybody wanted to run out of town after week eight of last season. And it, I get it. There were drops. There were some really uncharacteristic drops, right? I'm on Ross St. Brown had a couple Josh Reynolds had one that would have been a huge play, but by large in part, like there was a lot of questionable decision-making there was throwing into double coverage. There was, um, you know, Jared Goff just showing, I mean, almost having like the yips of, of, of a sort, like in that first half, he just looked, he looked exactly like that guy. As I said, that everybody was ready to run out of town, uh, halfway in, into last season. And I don't even really want to give him too much credit for what he did in the second half. Like I, I I'll give him some, but at the same, at the same time, like the first half was just so bad. It was so bad that it almost put the lion's. I mean, you, you, you can look at the play-by-play drives, right? Like, I, I think that that's what's most important where it's like, sure. yeah, I'll, I'll give him a little bit of credit for the second half. But at the same time, when you go three and out, three plays, four yards, three and out, three plays, three yards, three and out, no, you know, no yards at all. Like, goodness gracious. And then it was a pick six. Like, at, at that point, the team's down 21-7. You've put yourself into far too big of a hole against a team that's favored to win the NFC East. Like, I don't think that should be lost at all. Like the Eagles, like they're a football team. They're, they're going to, they're going to be in the playoffs. Like they're going to be a playoff football team, but go ahead, Chris. No, no. I was just going to build off what you're talking about because I, Jared Goff looked like a quarterback who had not played any meaningful snaps in preseason and had gotten to play against the Lions defense in training camp. He did not look like someone who was ready for actual real pressure on him. He did not look like someone who was ready for actual real NFL speed to start the year. I think by the second quarter, I mean, second half, he settled in. He settled in. He got a little bit closer to the speed. But as you said, Ryan, the damage is done at that point. The damage is done because you've thrown the pick six. You made the the defense stand on their head out there and just grind and grind until Philadelphia turned them into mulch on their offense like that. That was a defense that was gassed because like, as you said, that zero yard three and out, that was 20. That was just a sink 20 seconds off the clock, just 20. And we've talked nonstop on this podcast about how everything is set up just perfect for Jared Goff in this. 
And I, my, my complaint, I, I should let Jeremy in here because my complaint on about the offense isn't limited to just Jared Goff though. So uh, Jeremy, why don't you go on Jared Goff? And then I, I've got one more point on the offense. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I think I'm willing to be a little more forgivable for this game. Like there, there's not a lot to be forgivable on the, in the first half, you know, miss a lot of easy passes. Oh, he's really overthrowing his receivers quite a bit um, where they'd, they'd be able to get two hands on it, but it would have been a tough catch. I, then the pick six, I mean, Logan Stenberg <laughs> totally biffed that play up, but the big knock on, on on Jared Goff is that under pressure, he panics, and under pressure, he panicked. And, you know, there was a miscommunication on that play as well, he mentioned, but he blamed himself. Like, I can't I can't let that happen. And listen, there were other plays in which the pressure, was came, he, pressure came and he, only, he threw it right at Darius Slay later in the game. Probably should have been picked off. But I also, I like, I don't think we can ignore the second half, man. Like, he put this team in a position to win the game. They they had four possessions in the third in, in the second half. Three of them went for touchdowns. And the only one that didn't go for a touchdown laid a pretty nice ball to Josh Reynolds that may have been a touchdown had Josh Reynolds not dropped it. it wasn't a perfect pass, but it was a catchable pass. And so, I mean, you want I mean the, the first and second half splits are ridiculous, right? First half he goes before he hit Josh seven, Reynolds. I was gonna say before he hit Josh Reynolds near the end of the set of the first half with like a 24 yard pass. He only had 10 yards yeah. on like 12 attempts. Listen, and, and they were, they were lying on the run game a bit, but yeah, they, you have that three, that three possession stretch where three and out, three and out, three and out. And then the next possession is the pick six. You're right. That puts you in a huge hole. It, it's inexcusable. You're going to lose a lot of games in which you do things like that, but he dug them out. He dug them out like period 35 points in this game, Ryan. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, thank God for DeAndre Swift. I was that's the that's the thing I wanted to say because that's the thing. Like, yes, Jirgoff helped dig him out of the hole, but then they got more balanced in the offense. Whereas in the first half, you had that first drive that was all DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. Yeah. That was them running it down their throat. And then sure. immediately the next series, suddenly like DeAndre Swift gets like a couple carries, and then all of a sudden it's all up on it's all over on 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 Jared Goff. Like no. suddenly no, I don't. That's but, not. That's not how I remember that. That I think like, the run like, game I'm stopped at, working. Like Jared Goff like, passing complete. Like I'm looking at that three. You know, they. You're right. They they did have the one that they had a run run pass anywhere. in there. Everyone loves run run pass, right? But at, the, at some point, the run game is not going to continue to work, and and it's good. They're going to have to rely on Jared. But they Goff. had Jared Goff like did not and, play well. They had several three and long where it did work though. And like Jared Goff, though, sure. did get several drives yeah. where it was just him where the ball didn't move at all either. I agree. But so I just, I, I just to thought say like that they got balanced. away from the run game, I don't think is accurate. I don't think they ever got away from the run game. I thought they were just kind of forced into situations where the Eagles started to wise up and bring some guys down the box and be like, okay, beat us, Jared Goff. And on third and longs, they couldn't do it. Yeah. Really. I, I, I think I think this game is just a microcosm of what Jared Goff's entire season was last year, right? Sure. Like, I mean, the first half, you, you wanted to ball it up, you wanted to throw it away, and then in the second half, yeah, there there were things that were encouraging, but it, it's one of those things where it's like, was there just so much rust? Like as Chris is alluding sure. to, like for for playing for only playing one possession uh, in the preseason, like is is there a lot of rust there? What what's what's the concern? You know how how viable of a, an excuse is that for? I mean, he was he was a no show in the first half, yeah. like Agreed. point blank, like yes, he he helped dig them into 
such a hole that, hey, you you know what? Then you should help dig yourself out of that hole in the second half. And he almost did. But it's like, I don't want to give him too much credit for doing that. Well, the, the one thing I want to add to, to button off my, my point here is like, we have a data point here. And there's a lot of factors involved, right? It's 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 maybe a slow start to the season, maybe only having one series. You know, both Jared Goff and Dan Campbell said that that shouldn't shouldn't have mattered. Wasn't a reason why he they were rusty in the first quarter, first half. Um, and we also have to consider this is probably at least in terms of their secondary, pretty darn good Eagles defense. And and maybe that's theoretical at this point. Maybe we we get five weeks, six weeks down the road and you know, Avante Maddox or, or whoever is, is not working out there. But I didn't see a lot of guys running free in that game. A lot of the passes that Jared Goff missed, there wasn't a lot of margin for error there. And listen, they they still weren't good throws. That doesn't make them good throws. But he had to be perfect on a lot of those throws. Even the touchdown pass to DJ Chark, like, Slate was all over him. That was a great play from DJ Chark. But kudos on, on Jared Goff to getting him the ball and putting it in place for his receiver to make a play. Yeah, it's one of the few times he didn't overthrow a guy when he was throwing the ball that far. Uh, we'll we'll get into the individual performance in a second. Uh, to Jeremy's point, this is week one. I've seen some Lions fans who are already trying to throw in the towel in the season. Those people are ridiculous. Like, I, I've also I, I seen people try to compare this game to the 49ers game, and this game is so different. Very different. It's, uh, listen, the Lions played a lot better than they did in the 49ers game. 49ers game was like a Hail Mary. Like They had, they had, <laughs> one, they had one onside kick recovery. And then, and then they tried another, it was, this one was a lot closer for sure, but there, I mean, there are at least some similarities. Like the Eagles took it to them for, for at least two and a half quarters of this game. Yeah. But at the same time, that first drive from the lions, I, I mean, if you combine, I mean, it fe- <laughs> felt like, felt like I had won the super bowl. Like if you combine that first drive from the lions and then their, their first stop on downs, like, I mean, I'm right. I'm I'm booking my ticket. Well, here's man. the thing. I was thinking of a different season opener when when it started to turn no, into be no, 21 to seven. I was like, oh don't. great, we have one big play to start the season, and then everything goes spiraling spiraling out of control from there. But thankfully, that's not what happened. Like, yeah. and I mean, if you want to be big picture, I don't know if this is fair or not. But listen, second time they've played the Eagles two years in a row, and maybe it's not fair to compare one game to one game. Sample size is really small, but 44 to six when the Eagles were not that good to now 38 to 35 where I think the Eagles are a lot better. Well, clearly the lines are pretty, are, are better, are better. They, at least both offensively. Teams, both teams have improved. I think that there is also a difference in that. I'm pretty sure that's game. That's the game that got Anthony Lynn relegated from play calling duties. If I it remember sure correctly. Yes. So like, I, I guess Lions fans should expect something better when you've had Ben Johnson in there cooking up the scheme that's supposed to work with Jared Goff. So I get why they're frustrated. I get why fans are frustrated. I really do. I think next segment, though, we should talk about some of those performances. Some duds. There's, there's about one Goff. person we have have to talk about. I don't even think Absolutely. we've mentioned his name. <laughs> no, no. Well, there's a lot of names we have not mentioned. There's some duds, but I think there's also some good standouts, too. And we talked a little bit about Swift here. We've got to give that guy some full credit because he is he is the real deal here. And in spite of losing Halapulavati Vitae, I thought the offensive line played fairly well, fairly well. I Especially Jonah Jackson. He was a goddamn bowling ball on a caravan. But we'll talk about that next in the Pride of Detroit POD cast. We're finally in season. We're back with you. I know this isn't the result you wanted, but please, we love you. We're going to break down this entire season with you. We're your friends. And we're here all season long on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. More coming up. But first... 
Pride of Detroit is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facility at Allen Park. You can be eating the same beef jerky that the Detroit Lions are eating right now. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein and each stick has eight grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Detroit Lions, it's going to be good enough for you. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all natural black Angus beef and prides itself on superior quality, revolutionary branding and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. Uh, I'm holding up right here. This is the Bourbon Franklin. I have not tried this yet. This is on my week weekend list here. Uh, me and someone at my other job, we tried the Truffalo Bill, which was with uh, truffle truffle flavoring. Jeremy, I think you built got into one of the uh, built biltongs, which is like the South African style jerky. Yes. What was that? It's the garlic? Darth garlic. It's it's empty now because I ate it all. Very good. Just started digging into the habanero Escobar. I was going to oh, say that good. and the baby blues barbecue ones are very good. They've got one with like victory storm King stout too. I'm excited to try that. So dude, this is, there all, is, this is my flavor that I am legitimately going to buy some more of because this is empty, but their Turkey jerky Fal Capone is made with basil. And it's honestly some of the best jerky that I've ever had. We're, we're riffing right now. This is not part of the script. We actually did. I I've enjoyed this quite a bit. And honestly, the price is like, I like getting beef jerky for my overnights. The price is much better than what you will find in your gas stations out there. I'll just say Yeah, that. so like they sent us this like treasure. Ryan, trove. you said this was like a whole cow of jerky. <laughs> yeah, it was like 12 or 16. I'm like, wow, we got lucky we got that because I'm sure it's super ex- it's like it's like 50 bucks. And then you mentioned the promo code, right? Like No, I haven't. And that's the best oh. part, Jeremy. That's the best part for our listeners. For the rest of the month of September, you can go to righteousfelon.com and use the discount code POD20 at checkout to get 20% off your order for the rest of September. That's promo code POD20 at righteousfelon.com. If you don't buy this jerky, then my my baby won't be able to eat. <laughs> Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's 
S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Uh, we got our rants off to start this show, and I think that we should probably dial back a bit. We're going to highlight some winners and losers from this game or best performances and duds, studs and duds, whichever way you want to dress this up. There's like 80 different ways to dress this up. This is basically your top performers and your bottom fours, stock up, stock down. I'm going to keep going like this. There's like 80 different ways we can talk about this. So um, I feel like I want to talk on a, on a positive note, considering we just lambasted the team to start here, but let's give the roses DeAndre Swift. Yeah. Everything as advertised this off season, like, not not just in the performance where he was uh what what was the stat i think the lions put it out there jeremy 144 yards for the opening game is is like one of the all it puts him on an all-time list for the lions i believe you (laughs) i don't know but a career high for him that's i think that's maybe it's it's a career high yeah the big point for him and from everything i saw from him in this game he seems to have taken everything deuce has been preaching to him to heart and then he even talked about it kind of in in the in the post in the post game interviews about you know deuce riding him and you know tim talking about like that's just coaching i don't take it personally but like man he would cut back inside and just eke out five more yards on plays where he's already getting like 20 like he's going the extra he's going getting the extra 10 percent out there He's right. doing everything you want from from back. And look, I don't think he's ever going to be a bellwether back like a like I mean a bell cow back like a Jonathan Taylor or a Derrick Henry, but the way he averaged 9.6 yards per carry in this game. He was electric. He was while Jared Goff was struggling for parts of this game, he was the Lions offense. He was, and he was more than I was expecting, if I'm being completely honest. Um, if there, it may, maybe one of my biggest surprises of the game. Not not that the Lions were able to run the ball, though. I think that alone also deserves kind of a, a nice pat on the back, too, right? Like, how often throughout the week, Ryan, were we talking about how good this Eagles defensive front is? And not just how good the starters are. Like, that is a deep bench of really good defenders and, and an improved linebacking core behind them, too. And so... And they added Jordan Davis... Too, yeah. right? Yeah. Like that's what I'm track, saying. Like they Jordan added Jordan Davis. Davis. Not a starter. That's how good that defensive line is. Um, but I just like I, I look at the performance of, of Swift and I'm just like, that that is his potential. That is his untapped potential that we have been begging to see for two years. And I wasn't sure we'd ever see. I wasn't sure he would ever someone would ever get through to him about how. He needs to play the game, how he needs to believe in himself, how he needs to motivate to push himself further. You know what? I've I've heard kind of between, you know, between the lines from, from, from people inside the organization that he's just not a guy who gets it. Today, he looked like he, a guy who gets it. And if you want to give the credit to Deuce Staley, I'm sure he deserves a bunch of it. But give credit to DeAndre Swift because he took the feedback, like you said, we we heard we heard from Hard Knocks. You need to run it inside. DeAndre Swift ran it between the tackles like a pro today, and and the first person that he encountered once he got by that first line of defenders made the first guy miss almost every single time. And then, like you said, there was that that preseason rep, or I think it was actually the 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 scrimmage game where he runs out of bounds towards the end zone. Well, he takes that kind of screen pass in this game and just lowers his head, gets like you said an extra five six yards, almost scores on the play. 
he took every bit of feedback that he's been given and, and just rolled with it. And I can't tell you how, I mean, if you got me this excited, this, this Jack to see a, a running back, you must've done something pretty damn special. And I think, I think it was a special day for him. And, and I think if I can just, uh, if I can punctuate the Deandre Swift talk, he looked like he was running hard. You know what I mean? Like it looked like every time he touched the ball, he was finishing forward. And I don't think that's anything that we really ever associated with the guy before uh, just because of his, because of his size. But like, right. I mean, I, I think any of us would be thrilled if we could count on, I think, I mean, just a shade over like 9.7 yards per touch because he also had three catches for 31 yards. Like, I mean, this is everything and more that you could want from DeAndre Swift. I mean, these are the kind of performances that if he can stack games like this, even Jeremy would say we might need to hand out a second contract to a running back. I don't know. The big question that DeAndre Swift still has to answer, and this is really two, like one is what you just said, like can he string days together like this? The other one is obviously stay healthy. And when he runs this hard, you have you have to question it. You have to wonder if if his body will hold up because of the size, because of all that. But – but again, by all means, like he went into this offseason, didn't miss much time during training camp for really the first time in his career, got bigger, got stronger, and it all showed. Like that guy did not look like he he was physically beaten down and only took what 22, 23 uh touches on the day. Like like Chris said, he's not the bell cow back and I don't know if he ever will be. 18 touches today. 18, 15, 15 carries, oh, wow. three receptions. Yeah, you're right. 15 yeah. carries, three receptions. If, yeah. if they can keep him around 20 touches a game, I, I think that's something that is sustainable and it will, it will help sure. him stay healthy, right? Yeah. yeah. And Jamal Williams, like, I, I didn't like what he was doing in the open field, but on goal lines, Jamal Williams got to punch it in. That kind of brings me to my next big thing because, like, I, I saw some fans trying to say Swift success was fully on the offensive line. Look, every good running back has a good offensive line. Like like quarterbacks and wide receivers, nobody's in a vacuum. But at the same time, that, a lot of that was swift. But he was getting some great – that's my other great standout was watching Jonah Jackson in caravan with DeAndre Swift on that touchdown run. Mm-hmm. Like like the design on that one too. We I think we put ourselves a little bit too much into the doom and gloom when Vitae went on IR and Ragnar started showing up on the injury report and – Look, they got to string it together. It's week one, but nothing really to report that I'm upset about from the other than Logan Stenberg. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> starting a couple times, but I, I'm just saying like Jonah Jackson looked very good today. Yeah. I, I mean, Logan's going to take some time, right? As, mm-hmm. as good as he was in the preseason, he wasn't great today. He wasn't horrible, but like his mistakes were just very noticeable, right? It was the back-to-back false starts. It was the pressure that he immediately gave up on Jared Goff's pick six. I think he'll get better. Um, you also have to remember, like, he's been repping at left guard all camp. All camp. And it was it was another situation just like last year when when Taylor get, Decker gets hurt, suddenly they have to shovel, shuffle everything. So Logan got three three days worth of practices at right guard and not by himself. He wasn't getting the bulk of those reps, remember, because they were trying everything that first day. So I'm willing to, to stay patient with Logan. I, th- I think he'll get better. But I think the overall point, again, it goes back to, listen, Lions still have three or four other great guys on that offensive line, and they were mauling dudes today and really, really good dudes. 
and Jared Goff only gets one sack on the day, and that was kind of a fluky sack because he, he fumbled the snap. Offensive line lived up to a pretty darn good billing today, and I feel like they deserve a, a fair amount of credit. Yeah, scoring 35 points against this Eagles defense and, and primarily doing it by doing what we all love, fellas, establishing the run. Except this time it's real. It's not a meme anymore. It's, it actually happens. I Let's can't see them string it. together games first. No, I this know. Is me. I know. This is me. I shouldn't have done it. This is what I did with the offensive line last week. I said, don't say that the all five are going to start. I jinxed it again. I'm sorry. Lines are never going to rush for 100 yards again the rest of the season. I'm I just, slamming I just my it. my. I'm slamming my wooden desk so hard that Ruby is is getting scared. <laughs> Chris, um, real real quick, Chris. Yeah, yeah, though, yeah. I, I want to do Jeremy's favorite thing. So we need to take away DeAndre Swift's 50 yard run. Yes, Jeez. I already did this. You think I didn't already do this, Ryan? 14 carries for 94 yards. That's still 6.7 yards a carry. So and then he got to factor in his three receptions too, and he's still, still over 100 yards from scrimmage. Well, yeah, I mean, you got to take away his his longest <laughs> reception, which was which was up 25. So, I mean, that does leave him at you are really gassing yards. <laughs> you're, you're really gas. That's still that's still 100 yards from scrimmage. Not bad. DeAndre Swift. Very good game. Keep very it very good game. Uh, I know the defense. We don't have too much to talk about on the defense. Can I say the one thing I think the defense did do well? The one thing I thought the defense did do well, which I found respectable is I don't know how much we're going to see the NASCAR packages, but they seem to be uh, fairly effective out there. Isaiah Bugs batted, swatted down two, two, uh, two, two passes from the line of scrimmage, and uh, got. And I think uh, Austin Bryant had another one that he swatted down too. Like the NASCAR package. I don't like, again, that's a really good Eagles offensive line. I will be curious to see how much they use that moving forward, but some promise in that package at least at the very least for an upfront defensive line that we thought was going to str- struggle over the middle with interior defensive linemen. But NASCAR packages are all about just bringing your biggest edge, uh, your biggest, even if they're pass defensive ends, rushers. Yeah. Even if they're defensive ends kicked inside, like you're bringing four of your best pass rushers and the lions, when they did use it, had some effectiveness with it. Yeah. So it, I see some people in our live chat wondering what the NASCAR package is. Basically it's, you use it for your third and longs when obvious passing downs, <clears throat> you, you know, so, so you'll use it during your, your two minute drills and things like that as well. Um, it's basically put as many pass rushers in the game as possible. So you, you saw them like, I think Kam- Kaminsky was in there a bunch. You, you slide Aiden Hutchinson in there. You get Austin Bryan and Charles Harris on the outside. You just pass rushers, pass rushers, pass rushers, pass rushers. You get as many guys in there. Now, I think I think the NASCAR package will get a lot more excited when this team's healthy because with all due respect to John Kaminsky, I don't think he's an ideal guy to have out there for those situations. I rather yeah, and Isaiah Bugs like is an interior defensive lineman himself. Yeah. Right. Josh Pascal, that is going to be his role, is is right there in the middle on, on the NASCAR packages and on third downs. So I think it'll only get better. But listen, like I know a lot of people are gonna dog the defensive line in this game because because of the running game, because Aiden Hutchinson only had one tackle in this game. I think when you go back and look at the film, they're going to be a little bit more disruptive than you think. They just couldn't corral Jalen Hurts. And listen, they deserve to get criticized for that, but it's also a lot easier said than done. It, it's not easy to do, and it's something that the Lions are just going to have to learn to do um, because, again, they, they just don't get to practice it that much. Well, I, I think that's 
<clears throat> going back and watching the game, like you said, uh, a second time, Jeremy, I, I think you'll see that the Lions defensive front was really disruptive, but it was just a matter of contain. Yeah. And I think one of my biggest takeaways from this game was thank God the Lions don't have to play Jalen Hurts twice. Right. Um, right. So, uh, you know, we, we have that to look forward to. But I mean, the Lions, this might be something to just keep on your radar that let's see how they adapt and how they adjust to playing mobile quarterbacks. I mean, they're going to have presumably like Geno Smith here pretty soon when they play the Seahawks, uh, Justin Fields twice within your own division. So we'll see. I mean, it's something that they definitely need to improve on. I think now I want to start getting into some of the ones we have to improve on, but I think there was two more that I'm going to call like mixed. And I I feel like we got to talk a little bit about the two, like, Malcolm Rodriguez, how would you evaluate his day, Jeremy? Because he had some flashes, but overall, the linebackers, not a great day for them. Yeah, no, I think he was, he fell victim a lot of times to, to those, those zone. He had a sweet hip throw. He had a sweet hip throw, but that was really about it. Hip throw, Kelsey. And and he had a tackle for loss that he threw a little nice salsa into. Um, But yeah, I feel like the rookiness of him really came through in this game. And listen, he's, he's still breaking like the the things that I didn't think he could do, he's he's starting to do, which is like evade blocks, which is like I know he's he's great at leverage, but like the the knock on him is his size will get him locked up. He's he's still doing that. He's still th- tossing guys aside. He's still I think he had one missed tackle in this game that I that I saw, and I'm just like that's never going to happen again, and it, it probably won't. Um, but I think the mental part of the game, which is also like it's his strong suit, but at the same time, like the NFL is a different level. I think I think the Eagles got him a, a couple times with the misdirection. So I I, I think mixed is, is probably a good way to put it. I think, you know, when the PFF grades come out, it's probably going to be a little worse than maybe what some people were hoping for just because of the, the being out of place thing. Um, but again, first NFL game, I'm still pretty encouraged by the guy. And for Ryan, I'll let you handle a different defensive rookie if you don't mind. Um, Aiden Hutchinson looked the part of someone who is raw a rookie i'm not going to be worried about him for the long term but a lot of missed tackles for him and a lot of his aggression that we've seen violence we've seen out of him kind of getting really misdirected by this again really good eagles offensive line i I think it's really easy like jeremy mentioned i think it's easy for rookies to maybe be a little bit too eager and i think going back and watching film you'll see that from aiden hutchinson you'll see him getting too deep in the backfield getting too far upfield and, and that causing, you know, concerns, especially because of the position he plays and how he needs to be a little bit more disciplined from that aspect. But again, those are going to be rookie growing pains. So yeah. I, I mean, not concerned at all about Aiden Hutchinson. If there's one guy that I would really like to celebrate, Jeff Okuda had a damn good game. Yes. Yeah. I think people, you know what, the, how I know that people liked Jeff Okuda because people can say, can bang on Jeff Okuda all they want. But I saw people near the end of that second half saying, where's Jeff Okuda? Why is he not on the field? <laughs> we found out later in the postgame that he was apparently suffering cramps there. But yeah. it was very apparent when Jeff Okuda was out of the game and they had to rely more on Will Harris and people didn't like that. But Jeff Okuda was like, aside from, I think, one play where he was like, I think he was like 10 yards off A.J. Brown. Yeah, he for gave some him a third nine conversion. Yeah, that was that was rough. But overall, on the macro level, a good day for Jeff Okuda. Very, very promising for sure. Um, got an early pass breakup and just looked sticky in coverage um, pretty much all day. Um, exactly exactly the kind of debut you'd, you'd hope for someone in their first game in literally a calendar year. 
coming um, off I know an Achilles got, tear too. Yeah, I know he got tagged for a pass interference. I did not see a replay of that, but I, based on Lions fans' reactions, it seemed like it was pretty bad. I, I didn't, I didn't notice the pass interference live at all. I was surprised by the flag, but I don't know if you guys saw a replay or not. I know it, it was offset, so it didn't even matter. So yeah, he uh, he, he was definitely caught. He 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 caught Devonte Smith's uh, face mask, uh, like as he was like trying to not get too deep in coverage and trying to come back to the ball. Yeah. He, he caught Devonta Smith, but I, I mean, as far as PFF grades go, and that's going to be an article that I'm going to write up. Like I would be shocked if Hefe wasn't near the top uh, for defenders, because I think he had that good of a game. And the other thing too, is I, I don't think he gave up a single reception to Devonta Smith. When he I was, was going to say Devonta, no Smith one did has an egg, has an egg on yeah, his box. He got a goose egg. Yeah. yeah. Complete goose egg on four targets too. So, like that and, just and to, to be to be clear, I don't. It, it, it's not as simple as like, you know, Oruarie was on AJ Brown, Okuda was on yeah. Devontae Smith. Like they play sides, so right, I don't yeah. know how much he was he was on him. But even Oruarie, I thought played a pretty good game. I don't think the Lions secondary was that bad in this game, and I know that's weird to say in a game where Jalen Hurts has 243 passing yards, uh, but no touchdowns. He completed just barely over 50 percent of his passes. Like they made him work for it. And, and yeah. like I said in, in the first segment, a lot of the times Jalen Hurts had to tuck it and run. Why was that? Couldn't find anyone open. I think the secondary, I think I came away a lot more encouraged by the secondary, not, not as encouraged about the linebackers and interior offensive line play. There is one fly in the ointment to that secondary, and we've kind of been building up to this one. So. Sure. And like, look, some of this is just because he kind of lost, he kind of lost it. A little bit and not even just because of his play, but the Lions, we've talked about this before. The Lions are a young team. They don't have a lot of veteran talent. It's Alex Anzalone is probably your hoary veteran. He's been with the team only since 2021. But Tracy Walker, man, you can't do that. You just, you can like, I understand quarterbacks sliding in this league are, it's so difficult to deal with because there's no good way to tackle them when they're going to the ground there's, there's no, no way to know when they're going to the ground and, and yeah no way to know where they're going to the ground either no way to control yourself as you're going into the tackle from going high which is what happened to tracy walker but you can't get up and then immediately just get in a brawl with with eagles guys and get and throw a punch and on a single play get two personal fouls and get thrown out of the game like that that can't that the lions missed him for a lot of this game and that just you can't you can't have that. Yeah, it's it's an unfortunate situation. I don't want to hammer on the guy too much because football is an emotional game, and when you get shoved in the back a couple times, like you're gonna get pissed. Like that's just how. Like these are competitors with high testosterone, with high intensity. Like emotions are just flying. So every time you get shoved, you want to shove a guy back. That's just like it's it's a natural reaction. Also, so almost. So I'm not gonna not going to kill Tracy for it, but at the same time, this guy's a captain. He's a captain. Like he's a guy that's supposed to lead this team and he hurt them. As, as Ryan pointed out during the break, the very next play, they throw a screen pass to Juju Hughes side. Juju Hughes slips. They take it all the way down to the one yard. And the very next play is what turns out to be the game winning touchdown. And I know Eagles players were like heckling him and jawing at his back and pushing him around, but that's the kind of stuff you should know, like not to react to. Like it's the stuff that everyone's trained to like not react to on a football field. And, and the thing that's to me, like super unfortunate about this game, about this moment is Tracy Walker was playing pretty damn good. 
yes, he had a sack at that point. Uh, he had a he had pass a tackle, defended. pass defended. He hit he hit J, uh, uh, Hertz tackle for loss in here as well. I believe like he was kind of a wreck. He was a wrecking ball. He did kind of everything on the field. Yeah. And you guys co- you, no, you guys covered it. All right. Do we have any others to stand out? I feel like we've been quite positive in this segment, but that's what I mean. Like there, like the, the, the positivity I take away from this game is seeing some individual performances and seeing sure. like, okay, there's, there's something here. There's performances that this team can grow on through the season. If they continue on their trajectories. I, I just, I really think, and again, it's week one. We don't, we can't really put everything into context because we don't know how good these we teams don't. are going to be, but by all accounts, the lions held with, a pretty good team. They ran the ball against what we know to be some really good defensive linemen. And we know they were able to, you know, outside of one really, really good wide receiver kind of hold a passing game in check too. So I, I don't know. I don't think I'm discouraged by this game at all. I, I, we'll, we'll get into it next segment about why I'm, I'm slightly discouraged after this game, but I, I think specifically, I mean, if there's something about the offense, we already talked about Jared Goff, but like that's just something where it, it's it's again, as Jeremy said, it's one data point. But I thought again, this game was a microcosm of his entire season last year, where it was it was all bad in the first half. There wasn't there. I don't think you can go back to that first half and say that you liked anything that Jared Goff did. Now, the one thing that I will say is it almost seemed like play calling was night and day from the first half to the second half, like. Some of the play calling, like in terms of the the Amon Ross St. Brown screenplay where Penesul is supposed to go out and make that block, and it was really difficult because it was a bad pass from Jared Goff. It was super high. Amon Ra had to jump up to catch it rather than come back to the ball and and play that lane that, that he could have hit with the Sewell block. But, like, Goff has to be better. He yeah. can't put this team into a hole. Not and And I think that his play was a direct result for the Lions ending up in a hole. Yeah. I think we talked about this a lot last year, how the Jared Goff and the Lions offense had to be perfect because the defense was trash. Defense is better. Yeah, it's not trash anymore, but it's like it's it's sitting out of the curb. It's sitting out of the curb. They're not going to pull you out of three score games very often this year. They just don't. No. Let's take a quick break. We'll get into what the Lions, what we can look forward to for the Lions for next week, what I think they can take away from this game best. And yeah, we'll talk more on Ryan's point here too, because I think there's some still some lingering, lingering stuff we need to talk about from the performances we've had. So we'll wrap up shop, get this whole thing wrapped up very nicely for you next on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pride of Detroit POD cast wrapping up the show here. Uh, it's been a minute since we read reviews. I did not throw this on Jeremy, so I don't think we're going to have reviews this week. I'm sorry. Nope, Jeremy. that's okay. We'll I'm wait sorry. till next I'm week. I'm sorry. I'm I, sorry I, to all the users who have reviewed us. We will eventually catch up, but pr- keep bringing them in. Week, so I will you- remember. I will remember next week to tell Jeremy before we jump into we the go. segment <laughs> to do it. Right now, I'm just being adequate. It is week one. Adequacy is on. Is on and running. Ryan, you had some thoughts. Uh, I, I apologize. I forgot to tease this properly, and I feel like I'm just throwing this to you cold. But you had some you had some thoughts that I think were kind of trending negatively, and you wanted to kind of hit on that before we got into too much else here? Um, Man, damn. I wish I remembered what they were, but I can't remember back to last segment. Can we just but... restart the segment over? No, no, no. no. Let, let's, go, let's go this place, okay? Because I think that it's worth talking about. And we haven't really talked about it up to this point, but like coaching and some of sure. the decisions that were made. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're we going to talk about the onside kick. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, let's start there. Let's talk, let's talk about the onside kick. Right. So like the onside kick is something that personally I didn't have a huge problem with um, because at that point of the game, if I can recall correctly, like the lions had finally gotten back. They, they had scored the touchdown. Yep. They had, they had an opportunity to, you know, to to really get their offense back on the field after it seemed like it got back into a groove. You know what I mean? Like that, it because it was it was their first score of the second half, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So at that point, it's thirty-one twenty-one. My my kind of thought process is right. Like you might as well go for it because. The chances you, you could get the ball, right? I mean, that'd be a great thing that would happen. But at the same time, give the defense a short field. And at that point, it is 31 to 21. So if you can hold them to a field goal, Nothing well, you're still yeah, I mean, you're still down two scores. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like I I I was a fan of it. Maybe, maybe it was telegraphed, maybe it was something that they were expecting because as they mentioned on the broadcast, you know, the Lions onside kicked it more than any team in the NFL last season. And they also had the most, you know, recoveries of any team. They were three for nine last season, but I didn't have a problem with it. I, I'd like to know what your guys' thoughts were at, at that point in the game. I, I didn't have a problem with it either. I didn't like the decision. I wouldn't personally have done the decision, but I'm also not, you know, an NFL coach. But at the same time, like, I understand, like, I didn't mind the idea that maybe you fail like, okay, yeah. Then the, the defense will be playing with a, with a shorter field, but at that point they've, they've still got some pretty good rest on them. It, it was executed a little poorly, but they also went out there and tried to like fake out the, the Eagles. So I thought it was, it was fine to try for it again. I wouldn't have done it personally, but I will say it did pay off because then the Eagles were so scared of another onside kick uh, and a series later that they burned a timeout on a kickoff, which I've never seen before. <laughs> And to, just to make sure they were ready for it. And like, maybe if, if this, if this game had gone a little bit differently, that burns timed out might've been significant. 
Yeah, I, I don't have that much of an issue with it. Um, I mean, there needs to be a lot of context here, right? Like, I was at a point, I think around this point, I turned to Eric during the NBA, like, I think the Lions need to score on every possession. Like, to even have a shot to win this game, they need to score on every possession because you look at the the previous four drives from the Eagles prior to this onside kick. 13 plays, 97 yards, touchdown. Four plays, 20 yards, punt. Eight plays, 66 yards, touchdown. Nine plays, 73 yards, field goal. Ten plays, 67 yards, touchdown. So four of the last five were scoring drives. Every single one of them went for at least 20-plus yards. Four of them, four of the five, went for at least 60 yards. The Eagles' offense was absolutely dominating. You needed to steal a possession. And the one this thing this defense still hasn't done, even throughout the preseason, is forced turnovers. They're not good at it. They don't have the playmakers to do it quite yet. It's one thing that's a, that's a huge box that they still need to check. And they didn't do it last year either. Forced turnovers. And and so your, your back's up against the wall here. If you're Dan Campbell, you're like, we need to score on two consecutive possessions. And I'm not sure we're going to do it. So onside, you're, you're kind of out of op- options here. And so you go onside kick. My issue is just that it's such a low percentage play. And I know the lines were good at it last year. Um, but it's low percentage. You're rolling the dice and you know the dice aren't in your favor. And heavily not your favorite. Recovering an onside kick is is one of the hardest things to do in the league. This, I mean, they've been trying to change the rules like crazy because no one's, but because only the Lions seem to be able to do it. And that was last year and a different set of players. So I get it. I'm not mad about it. I just think the odds were were, were stacked pretty high against you there. I think maybe you just hope your defense settles down and and they did settle down after that a little bit. So, um, it, it it's unfortunate it didn't work out. It's unfortunate that it immediately. Not immediately, but eventually led to a touchdown, um, and it, it hurt him. It did hurt him. Like I think I don't think you you can argue that it didn't hurt him. It hurt him. Well, I mean the the ensuing drive was Tracy Walker gets right. ejected on yep. third and four, right? Yep. You know. But I, mean? I also so like, I also yeah. feel like that drive, if they if the if the Eagles had had to go the longer part of the field, if you just kicked it for a touchback, like I still think they would have probably scored on that drive too. Maybe right. And, but again, well, if it would have only been a field goal. Like Ryan said, yeah, so, still and, and, and that's the thing too. I know it's the beginning of the half, but like you know, if you're the Lions, like you need to score and you need to keep their offense off the field. So it's one of those things where it's like we don't want to kick the ball and have you do an 80 yard drive that takes up seven True. minutes. You True. know what I mean? So yeah, yeah time, time of possession time, was yeah, yeah. But that leads to the second thing that I want to talk about with the coaching staff, and I know Jeremy's going to have a take about this, but the timeout that Dan Campbell calls, yeah. I assume that you hated it. I did. I have no problem with it, but I would like to hear your standpoint. Uh, Okay. So just for context, this is, you know, the Eagles have the ball end of the, the the first half Um, minute 55 left to start that drive. Yep. Tracy Walker gets a sack to put them into second and 14. And I'm trying to see the timestamp 54 cents. Yeah. 54 54 seconds left. Mm -hmm. Um, Lions have all three timeouts at that point. Eagles have two timeouts, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. 54 seconds is not a lot to work with when you know the offense that you're going up against still has two more plays. So even if you call timeouts on back-to-back of those plays, they're punting with 40 seconds left. So you're getting the ball back with 30 seconds left and no timeouts. That's that's your best-case scenario if you don't force a turnover or block the punt. That's not a high-percentage play. What are you doing here? 
They're they're only second and 14, and their offense is just starting to get rolling. You gave him a free timeout. That was not smart. Like I I I understand Dan Campbell's aggressive and and he wants to he wants to show everyone that he's aggressive. And and listen, like he I think I think that was the emotions getting better of him. Like he, they they had gotten a touchdown back from the Jared Goff pick six. They wanted to score again before the end of the half. I just don't think it was a realistic opportunity, and you gave them a free 20, 30 seconds. And listen, you held them to a field goal. I don't know if it really changed the the, the outcome of the game much. I don't think it – it probably didn't at all. But that's that's a timeout that could, could have hurt, I think, a little bit more than it did. I want to uh, end the podcast this way because this is – I want to kind of look towards – well, obviously, we'll have the preview with um, with first bite, but – I want to ask you guys to give me one thing that you would hope the Lions are able to take away from this game and carry into next game the most, and the thing you want to hopefully have them leave behind in this game the most. And only be one thing on either side. You don't. I have an, I understand. That's just a tough question. I I think, well, the one thing that I'm really glad that's getting left behind in this game is Jalen Hurts. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> that's for sure. Is there anyone else like him on our schedule? I don't. Well, like I mentioned, I mean, there's Geno Smith. There's Justin. I'm not Fields, worried about divisions. I'm not. I'm not as worried about Geno Smith. I might be worried a little bit about Fields. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, and there's there's some other names to mention too. But I, I think large in part, I I'm encouraged by the fact that I think the defense got to a lot of third downs, like they. Yeah. It's just it's making a play and getting off the field, right? Like I'm encouraged by the the fact that the Lions at least force teams into third downs because, I mean, even if you go to the Eagles game, a little less than a year ago, like Jeremy mentioned, I mean it's an entirely different game where the Eagles are just like marching down the field relentlessly, establishing their new identity as a run team. It's not that the Lions were able to, I mean, the Lions are still so very far away from being able to defend the run well, but at least it wasn't, they're getting a first down because it's second and three and it's really easy to run the ball on that down. You know what I mean? Like how many, how many third downs did uh, Philadelphia have? They were 10 to 17. Seems like a lot of third downs. That's a lot of third downs. It's a lot, but I I was kind of disappointed that it was seven. And then I think, what was it? Two of three on fourth down as well. Sure. Yeah. at least two of those were fourth and ones and those are just yeah are and one ones. of those was to end the game that was that last one was to end the game and obviously yeah. there's some Lions fans doing Zapparuder film about where Jalen Hurts ended on that play because it didn't get reviewed but yeah but like I said I think what what what's encouraging is it seems like the Lions just have to learn how to win in these like little situations and I think that's one of the situations where they're going to have to win more is is on third down and, and getting off the field because like you mentioned earlier in the podcast Jeremy like the way that this team is going to win games is with their offense they're not going to win a lot of games because of what they did defensively so they need to put the ball back in the hands of their offense no question get off the field when you get an opportunity and and credit to Jalen Hurts, man. Like he, I don't know how many he picked up with his feet today, but it felt like about a hundred. Dude, you go through the play log, and it's just like Jalen Hurts scrambles, Jalen yeah. Hurts scrambles, right. Jalen Hurts scrambles. And I, I maybe maybe that's the, the positive spin you can take on it. Is, is one, you're not going to face a lot of Jalen Hurts the rest of the season. Two, I mean, if you get into those third and longs, not n- most quarterbacks aren't going to be able to to make 
those plays. Some can, and it's becoming more pre- prevalent in this league for sure. And, and I think and the, that's why Lions fans are just dying to have a mobile quarterback to just have that option. Although Jared Goff did scramble for a pretty good third down conversion himself this game. Stop it. He did. I know he did, but stop it. <laughs> I will say the thing I want to carry most in the next game, what I want to treasure, preserve most of all, is just DeAndre Swift running the way he has. Please. Stay like, healthy, that's, buddy. Stay healthy. Stay shifty. Keep challenging for it. I love this new look, DeAndre Swift. The thing I want to leave behind the most I hope Jared Goff has warmed up now. <laughs> there, that's, that's I, I, I really, I, I know you, you went out defending him, man. But like that first half of Jared Goff was just painful to watch because again, it keeps going back to the question of, and it's going to keep ringing, and the the criticism is going to keep growing because we we've talked about it, man. Like, and 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 I, I, whether it's fair or not, the legacy of Dan Campbell and this entire coaching staff. We see this across the league, Jeremy. Your reputation as a head coach is largely predicated on how your quarterback plays. Like Sean McVay first made his bones with how well Jared Goff was playing at first and then was able to genesis him, and he got credit for how well Stafford played. Uh, you know, people think Zach Taylor is a good coach because of Joe Burrow. Sean McDermott gets a ton of credit because of how well Josh Allen plays like for better or worse, Dan Gamble's reputation is going to be tied to Jared Goff because that is the most important position on the field is quarterback. And to be honest, like it's hard, man, this is supposed to be the really big quarterback draft year with Bryce young and Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. And, and don't make that face about me saying Anthony Richardson. He's on those, <laughs> he's on those watch lists, man. But he, he, he won't say CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud's got a, come up with a better game than what he had against Notre Dame. Okay. All right. Moving along. Notre Dame, Notre Dame lost to Marshall. Get to your point. But I'm just saying that I just, I, he looked rusty. And my hope is that that's just rust that had to be knocked off. And Jared Goff will look a little bit. We could probably see some rust out of him, but like, I want to see more like the second half where he looks a little bit more in command of the offense. And maybe that's just getting back in there and playing and taking more snaps and practice and, just being more ready for game day. I don't know. I, I, I want to say just to your point real quick, Chris, and I want Jeremy to take take us home, but like if Jared Goff ends up sinking Dan Campbell, I don't know if I'd <laughs> ever be more frustrated. No, 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 but That's hold on. not going to happen. Okay. Because Jared Goff is going to go before they give up on Dan Campbell. Is he? Yes. Brad Holmes traded for him. Sure. They're going to move on from Brad Holmes before they move on from Dan Campbell. No, no, it's, it's a package deal, but I feel I hey. maybe, maybe this is me blindly trusting. I know there are a lot of people concerned about Brad Holmes's ability to, to scout a quarterback about the entire franchise's decision to really back Jared Goff. All those are legitimate questions. And maybe this is just blind faith, but I think if Jared Goff doesn't turn around and play a lot more like he did in the second half than the first half, then I think the lines are going to be smart and move on. And, I would and, hope so. And I, that's certainly a leap of faith. I'm willing to admit that there's no, I'm, I'm basing this on very little evidence other than the fact that they've jettisoned from players before that they believed in. Right. They've right. Jettisoned from, from Trinity Benson. They've, they've jettisoned from Godwin Iguabuque, a guy that they, they support a lot. Maybe, maybe I'm kind of thinking maybe he eventually comes back with like the whole veteran. I don't know. Either way. Right. I'm just he, saying like, 
I know quarterback's a different position, a very different position. Much different than Trinity Benson and Gatawinigua Buke. Fair, but fair. They didn't quite invest as much into either one of those guys as they had to Jared Goff. I understand all of that. But you know, that's that's the whole thing, right? Like veterans, rookies, we don't care. Whoever wins, wins. And whoever is not winning on the field is not going to be part of this team. That's kind of one of the tenets of what they've been doing here. And so I would hope that extends to quarterback. But again, a little bit of a leap of faith there. Yeah. Yeah. But, and, and look, it's it's hard to scout quarterbacks out of college too. It just it is. Like, yeah. I mean, if, if 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 people were good at it more than they were bad at it, then there would be a lot of good NFL teams. Yeah. Hashtag analysis. Uh Jeremy, do you have anything that you want to leave behind or that you want to take with you from this week? Uh I think, I mean, I think you guys kind of nailed it. I, I, I'd like to see better play from the interior defensive line, although that's something I, I need to follow up with film study. Um, I, I think I want to leave behind some of the rookie slash young linebacker play in this game because um, I do think it was it was kind of rough sled in there. It wasn't, wasn't as bad as it's been in the past, but it wasn't as, as good as I was hoping. And then keeping around, like I, I want to keep around the offensive line and keep rolling, man. With I, I think, I think I've been very promised by the play of the offensive line throughout the preseason, throughout training camp, and now into into week one. So that that can make a huge difference, and I'm hoping it does. It's probably their biggest asset they have. We've sure preached is. the gospel of the offensive line for two years now, actually more than two years. I feel like. You know, it's, you know, every time, every time I see guys roll their eyes, when we start talking about offensive line, I'm like, look, man, you want a good running team. You like your good running backs. You like your good quarterbacks that can drop back in the pocket behind all those guys is a good offensive line. And Detroit, as you know, from every effing intro and hard knocks and everything else, they love talking about the nine to five hard working blue collar guys. That's right. <laughs> And that's what the offensive line is. All right. Let's wrap this one up. This was fun. I'm glad I'm glad to have football back. I don't this game did not go the way I was hoping it would go, but it was still entertaining. It was still engaging mentally to me. So I'm happy. We saw some improvement. Hey, we yeah. saw some improvement. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna be this positive across the board for a lot of people because it's an L is an L at the end of the day. And like the Lions are not in the business of moral victories, but like, look, well, we got to we got to break it down all which ways we can. And Dan Campbell said that, right? Yeah. Like in his post game presser, he said, you know, you can only go so long with, oh, you only lost by three, you only lost by three, you only lost by three. It, at a certain point, you just have to you have to start learning how to win games, and hopefully, hopefully, this is a very early teaching moment. That's right. We'll see you guys later in the week. We'll be talking about uh, the commanders, commandos, command don'ts. What what the hell are they called? I don't I don't know. The communists. Football team. Football, we'll just, can I go back to football team, please? The football team. Anyway, see you next time. We'll see you star side. <laughs>
Pride of Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. For the rest of September, you can go to RighteousFelon.com and use the discount code POD20 at checkout to get 20% off your order for the rest of September. That's promo code POD20 at RighteousFelon.com. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 